Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, Inspire Church. Come on. Come on, let's give God praise. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. Happy Father's Day. God chose to reveal himself as Father. Amen? There's something special about that. Something special about that. Um, And I just want to speak to uh, the fathers in the house. That's a tall task. (laughs) uh, That name is a hard name to follow. And I want you to know that we fall short. Uh, He is the perfect father. And so I just want to give an encouragement to fathers who feel like you failed. I want you to know that that our heavenly father, through his son, Jesus Christ, brings grace and forgiveness. And there's always, as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's always an opportunity to begin to reflect him. Amen. Amen. And I want to talk to you, maybe those of you in this room who have been hurt by your earthly father. I want you to know that your heavenly father is there and he's here and he's for you and he loves you and he's calling you to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to say happy Father's Day to my dad who's serving today. So I'm not even sure if he's in the house. Is he in the house? Phil Sr. Are you, where are you at? Papa Phil. Oh, yeah, stand up. Yeah. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. I was searching for a story, Uh, just trying to think about how my dad, just the things that he's done for me, you know, he's faithful, consistent, and, uh, you know, I always got to throw something slightly funny in there, Um, and my sisters um, are always like, hey, you know, don't be too... Don't be too hard. But I want to say this. Uh, you know you have a dad when um, he'll yell at your t-ball coach. <laughs> Maybe not t-ball. That's a little young. You know what I mean? But he'll, you know, I'm probably about 11 years old. That was awkward, you know, and growing a little bit. My feet were getting a little bit bigger. Maybe it wasn't as good as I thought I was. And baseball wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And, um, and I was crying. I'll never forget my dad got into that coach and let him have it. And, uh, and uh, again, in a very holy way, amen? <laughs> very holy, 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 holy way. Um, but what I, what I want to say about my dad is in that scenario, you know, he was, he was a voice when I didn't have a voice. He spoke up for me when I couldn't speak up for myself. And so I love you, dad, and I honor you for a million different reasons. But this morning, I was just thinking about the time that you went to bat for me, literally. <laughs> and uh, you always have my back, and I appreciate you, and I love you. Um, happy Father's Day, dad. Um, amen. 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 Uh, I am excited to uh, conclude this series this morning with the subject matter. Uh, For those of you that have been with us for, what, nine weeks? It's been a long time. Uh, We have been uh, walking through the gospel of Luke, and we have been pausing in Luke for every table scene. And what we mean by that is every scene where Jesus 
sits at a table and eats with friends and frenemies. And it's been an incredible journey uh, that has not only compelled us to come to the table of Christ, who offers all who would believe life eternally, but it's also been a challenge for us then to open our tables. How many know it's easy to come to Jesus's table, but when it comes to your house and your table, we kind of keep that very to those that we know. And yet Jesus has opened up our tables and he has opened it up to us. And now in that love and in that grace, we open our tables, amen, to those who are hurting, to those who are in need. Um, and so it's just been an incredible sermon series and we have saved, I don't want to say the best for last, but we have saved um, the final table this morning. Today's final table is entitled the Lord's Supper. And I've kind of added just this morning, practicing the table, because that's what we do here at Inspire once a month. We come to the table and we partake of the Lord's Supper together. It's a practice. It's a rhythm that we do as a body. Amen. And so this morning I've entitled this message, The Lord's Supper, Practicing the Table. Now, depending on your church tradition, your denomination, right, uh, uh, this, the Lord's Supper has been called different things. Um, the Lord's Supper has been called the Lord's Supper. It's been called the Eucharist, Communion. Um, it's been called the Lord's Table, or as I grew up hearing it, La Santa Cena, the Holy Communion. Um, and some churches practice the table weekly, as we have been doing the last nine weeks. Some churches practice the table monthly, and unfortunately, some churches practice the table rarely. Now, growing up as a kid, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what the Lord's Supper meant to me. <laughs> and for those of you who grew up in church, you probably are going to laugh at where we're going with this because I'm sure you've thought the same. As a child, the Lord's Supper was an opportunity for my sisters to sneak me a little bit of that juice. Okay, a couple of laughs, praise God. A little bit of the communion juice. It wasn't wine at the time for us. Some of you had wine. Some of us, we had Welch's grape. Amen. 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 I know who had Welch's grape. So it was an opportunity for them just to sneak an extra cracker, perhaps, um, an extra juice. Um, for those of you that are familiar with Pastor Tanyon a long time ago, you will remember uh, his Lord's Supper. It was very memorable. Um, he loved to commemorate the meal on the microphone. And what I mean by that is as everyone was kind of taking of the bread and the cup, um, he would constantly just, you know, be like, mmm. <laughs> And like he would smack it and, and it was very like on purpose, you know, like he was, it was a very, you know, wasn't symbolic, it was literal and he wanted us to, to dine on the Lord's table, right? And as a kid, you, it was very difficult to not laugh and, um, and also, you know, I've seen all kinds of different shapes and sizes of breads. Sometimes the deacons... You know, they didn't know how to cut the bread appropriately. And so some people would be walking with a slight morsel and others had a whole, you know, a whole sourdough, you know, and we've all, we all, you know, everyone made the joke like next week, I'm going to sneak a little butter in my mom's purse. I'm going to take the largest piece of bread and, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, some people have had, I've seen some weird things that use this bread. 
Ritz crackers. Um, I mean, you know, we have the clam chowder. <laughs> you, you know, it's going to be tough for you. I wrestle with this because the communion is a holy moment, and I do not want to, but I'm just trying to be honest about kind of all of the spectrums here. Um, you know, the clam chowder, you know, uh, crackers are incredible. Those are my favorite. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe you're like me, and you grew up pr- practicing the table regularly, and sometimes when we do things regularly, we, we miss, we dilute the meaning or it becomes a joke, right? Um, or maybe you're not like me and maybe you didn't grow up in church and you just aren't quite sure what this is all about. And so whether you did grow up in church and you've made it about everything else or you, this is your first day here, which thank you for coming, for those of you here for the first time, thank you guys for coming. My name is Philip Muella. I'm the lead pastor here at Inspired Church. Uh, this is the Crown Plaza, Monday through Saturday, but on Sunday we call it Inspired Church, amen? So just good to have you here. But if you're like me and you've grown up in church or maybe you don't know what this is, my hope today, my prayer today, in fact, I'm going to pray this, is that we would all walk away with a deeper understanding and appreciation, whether you are a believer or not. Whether you're in this room today and you love Jesus or you're in this room today and you're you're like, you know what, I'm an atheist. I just came here because my dad brought me here. That's okay. You too can still walk out of this room with an understanding. And an understanding can lead to an appreciation. And so that's my hope and my desire um, for you this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so with that being said, I'm going to pray that over this group. And then we are going to get into the text. Heavenly Father, you are our Father. And so on Father's Day, we can't help but give you praise and glory and honor for sending your Son. Lord, I pray this morning that this table, uh, the Lord's Supper, would become real. I pray to uh, to those in this room that have just practiced it regularly and maybe the, the meaning has been diluted. I pray this morning that we'd have a revival of meaning. I pray for those today who are just here because maybe it's their first time and they came as a father or with their fathers. And and I just pray, Lord God, as they sit and listen to everything, a Holy Spirit that you would speak and they would understand the beauty of this meal. I pray that all of us in this room would take a step closer to Jesus because of today's word. Holy Spirit, illuminate the text so that everyone in this room, no matter where they've come from, no matter what they've done, can walk out of here this morning and say, I heard from the Lord today. He spoke to me. And so, Lord, we love you. We're careful to give you all honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 22, and we're going to read verses 14 through 23. Um, If you don't have your Bibles, we will have it for you on the screen. But if you do have your Bibles... You're definitely um, welcome to join us. Um, If you have your Bible apps, this is the time where you can pull out your phone and I won't think that you're scrolling through Instagram or whatnot. Um, And so Luke chapter 22, uh, 14 through 23, 14 through 23, amen. We're already off to a slow start with laughter, but it tends to happen regularly with me. Um, and so just hoping that Pastor Roger can teach me his ways. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. 14 through 23. Luke 22, 14 through 23. 
<clears throat> and the scripture reads like this, Luke 14, I'm sorry, Luke 22, 14 through 23. The scripture reads like this. And when the hour came, he, that's Jesus, reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, and he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. Oh, got real dark back there, huh? That was the right moment for it to get dark, right? As Jesus is as Jesus is partaking of this meal and instituting the Lord's Supper, he's saying that somebody in this room is going to betray me. As most of us know, Judas is in this, in this room. Verse 23, and they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you three points as I typically do. A nice, tidy three-point sermon. We're going to talk about the old mill. We're going to talk about the new mill. And finally, the happy mill. Just kidding. Uh, nice. We're getting there. Okay, good, good. The, the, just making sure you're listening. The old mill, the new mill, and then finally, uh, your place at the table. Or who can come to the table. Amen? Let's talk about it. It was Thursday night before the crucifixion. Thursday night before the crucifixion. Just a few hours before Jesus would be betrayed, tried, and hung on a cross. It was A.D. 30, the 14th of Nisan, the day of Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And as the disciples gathered in a room just hours before Jesus was to be slaughtered, Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now you have to pause because there's a unique phrase, Jesus says, earnestly desire. Now, the Greek, if you were just to look at the Greek, the Greek would say, I have desired with desire. I have desired with desire. This repetition indicating the intensified passion of Christ in this moment to eat this specific meal with his disciples. Why? Why? Because... All of redemptive history hinged upon this meal at this table. Let me say that again. All 
all of redemptive history, all of salvation history hinged upon this meal at this table. Let me explain. In verses 14 through 18, we are going to talk about the old mill. Now, what we're told prior to the verses that we've just read, to give you some context, Luke tells us that the Passover preparations have been prepared. Everything was set. Jesus and his disciples, now the table was set, the meal was prepared, and it was now time for them to enter into the room. It was just Jesus and the twelve. Now, I want you to know this. For centuries, the Jews had celebrated a meal called the Passover. For centuries, the Jews had celebrated a meal that commemorated God's great redeeming act in delivering Israel from 400 years of Egyptian slavery. Do you remember the Exodus story? After enduring a series of intense plagues, y'all remember that? Frogs, lice, flies, locusts, blood, boils. Pharaoh, who was hard-hearted, finally broke and let Israel go when the final plague took the life of every firstborn in Egypt. And it wasn't just the children, but it was the firstborn of the beast as well. And this was a justice movement because if you remember, just 400 years earlier, Pharaoh had given the decree to kill all the firstborn children of Israel. You see, what happened was a long, long time ago, Israel had migrated because of a famine and Egypt had took them in. But over the years, Israel increased and became strong in number. And Pharaoh, the new Pharaoh, who forgot about the one who had allowed the Israelites to come in and have safe haven, he was fearful that Israel, the nation of Israel, or the people of this tribe that he had let in, or that had come in many years before, were getting too big and too strong. And so they were finding ways to oppress them. And after 400 years of slavery and the people of God crying out, God answered their prayer. How are you doing? And again, God sent plagues, as you know, and the final plague that broke Pharaoh was the taking of the life of every firstborn in Egypt. Now, I want you to listen. Despite this act of terrible judgment, God promised to spare any household that slaughtered a spotless lamb and splattered its blood on the doorposts and side beams of their home. Now here's the key. Any household that applied the lamb's blood, the angel of death would pass over. It's called the Passover meal. The angel of death would pass over and would spare the lives of all the firstborns in the household. Now, I want you to know there was a critical lesson to be learned that God never wanted his people to forget. And 
it's a critical lesson that I want you to learn. And it's this lesson. Divine judgment can be satisfied through the death of an innocent substitute. Divine judgment can be satisfied through the death of an innocent substitute. Are you with me? God's divine judgment was sent to Egypt. And those who would be spared are those who would apply the blood of an innocent lamb that was slaughtered. And so where it was a substitution, the blood of the lamb would be substituted for the firstborn. Y'all with me? Now, when you think of the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper, most of you probably think of something like this. There it is. This is how most of us might imagine the Last Supper. Beautiful, right? Is that Leonardo da Vinci? Beautiful, but not historically accurate, as most of these are. (laughs) Um, And so, I guess what I want to show you, it probably looked more like this here in front. Um, This is why you read the words that they reclined at the table, because the table was lower to the ground. They weren't sitting on chairs, but they were sitting reclining at the table. So, I'm going to attempt to recline. And I thank God that my knees aren't mic'd up. because you might hear all the snap, crackle, and pop. And then I'm going to attempt to get back up in the name of Jesus. Here we go. So we got these cushions. By the way, Veronica, great job. Now, for those, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, for those of you that are in, you know, beyond row four, (laughs) good luck, right? Um, But here's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I don't know if the cameras are going to catch me. And so we just, you know, we're just going to do this anyway, amen? Um, I'm going to recline at this table because I'm already halfway down. And so typically, like the model that I am, uh, they would recline. Where's my camera? Where's my camera? Father's Day. This is kind of what it would look like. Got it? All right. Tag me. Tag me on that. PMO 24. (laughs) This is what it would look like. The Passover. Celebrating the Passover, the old mill. The Passover that commemorated uh, the time when Israel was delivered from bondage. And um, and the blood of the lamb was applied. Amen? And so, you know, this this isn't historically accurate here, up here. So just, just bear with me. Um, there's a couple of important elements uh, that go at the table. Um, of course, you have the wine, which um, family, don't worry about this. This is grape juice. Um, and so a uh, little Welch's grape I'm going to pour in my chalice. Amen to that. Oh, look at that. That's how we get into small cups. But I'm just going to go crazy. Oh, no, don't want to get this uh, Father's Day outfit. There we go. Very fermented. Diluted with water, though. Amen? There we go. Put a little bit in there. And so the Passover meal is structured in four parts, okay? Passover meal is structured in four parts. And each part is kind of marked by a sip of the wine. And so I'm going to kind of just share with you a little bit. Uh, and, And so in order to have an authentic Passover, now this is called the Seder or the Passover meal. 
uh, again, um, there's a lot different. There's, there's some elements that have been added. Some things have shifted and changed. And so just the basic elements, that's all I have up here of the Passover. I'm going to kind of show it to you. And I should have opened this up before, you know, before I even got up here. But I thought it'd be, oh, that was easy. The basic elements of the Passover is the wine, the cup. And like I said, in between each segment, uh, this would be called the cup of blessing. So in between each segment, uh, the cup would be raised up. And um, the head of the table, typically the father, would sing a psalm. And they would declare a blessing, uh, uh, not over themselves, <clears throat> but they would bless God for his goodness and his faithfulness, his fruitfulness. And they would thank him for the vine. And then, bottoms up. Ah, that's pretty good. And they would drink the wine. Now, throughout this <clears throat> different segments, uh, there were different foods that were involved. And uh, this definitely isn't historically accurate, but uh, there was the bitter herb. Veto, I hope we can clean this up. <laughs> There's the bitter herb. Y'all see that? Um, there was the wine. And let me open up my uh, unleavened bread. And actually, at Safeway, you can get Passover bread. Anyone who's interested, it's called a matzos. So there you go. Sounds about right. Let me open this up. Y'all doing okay? Yeah. Bet you didn't expect to come to Father's Day like this, right? Here it is. Unleavened bread. And then finally, of course, you can't forget. You can't forget the lamb. Amen? <laughs> <clears throat> Got it? <laughs> now behold the lamb. The precious lamb of God. Um, we're going to eat this guy. Um, but what, but what you need to know is, um, every household that picked out a, a, a spotless lamb had to pick one out that was cute like this. And in fact, they didn't just pick it out the night before they had to pick it out and then they had to raise and bring him in for maybe a couple of weeks. So that was really difficult to be able to slaughter the lamb that you had spent time with. So we're going to, thanks mom for this. Uh, during Christmas, if you want to drive down 4286 Gibraltar Drive, this will be lit up along with a other nativity assortments. Don't go to Cripps Court, you know. Um, go to my parents' house. So we're going to put my boy Toast right there. Now let me, let me kind of just explain these elements. Y'all are doing great. I hope I'm doing okay. <clears throat> So there was the wine, symbolic of praising God, pausing to solidify every segment with thanksgiving and praise. And then there was the bitter herb. And when it came time to the segment of the bitter herb, um, typically it's like horseradish. Um, the bitter herb was designed that when you bite into it, and I don't think I'm going to bite into this. Um, I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. The bitter herb. <laughs> the bitter herb was uh, bitter, and it was actually designed so that when folks bit into it, that there would be some kind of like negative reaction. Um, in fact, 
tears. The, ho- the hope was for it to be so bitter and they'd actually even dip it in other things that it would actually bring, bring you to tears. Not because you're crying, but because it was bitter. And the idea behind the bitter herb was to remind the people of God of the bitterness of bondage. The bitterness of slavery. Right? Some of us, we forget. We forget. And it was meant to remind them of that. Then there was the unleavened bread, right? Flat bread. And what unleavened bread simply is, is there's just no yeast in this. And so the yeast is what makes the bread rise. But if you have to remember on Passover, Pharaoh had just let them go. And they had to eat and run. They had to get out of there before Pharaoh changed their mind. So they did not have time to put yeast in their bread. And so this bread is just flat bread. And it really doesn't have great taste. (laughs) Yeast makes the dough rise, but it takes too long. And so this flatbread was to remind them of the urgency of the exodus. And then, of course, you had the lamb, the innocent lamb. And they were to slaughter this lamb and they were to consume. They were to take the blood of this lamb. They were to put it over the beam and the doorpost. And then they were to consume this lamb. And, of course, This lamb was a reminder that divine judgment can be satisfied through an innocent substitute. Amen? I needed that. Um, Now, I want to share kind of one of my favorite parts, parts of this meal. Um, Throughout the meal, the youngest children would be prompted to ask questions. The youngest children, through every segment, the youngest child would be prompted to ask questions. Um, Thank you, sir. And so what kind of questions would they ask? Questions like this, like why the bitter herb? You know, children are inquisitive. Why are we doing this? What is the point of this night? Why do we celebrate this once a year? Why the bitter herb? Why the lamb? Why the wine? Why the unleavened bread? Throughout this moment, the children were prompted to ask these questions. And it was the father's responsibility or the head of the table's task to answer the children's questions. Are you with me? It was the father's responsibility or the head of the table's task to answer the children's questions by retelling the story. Are you hearing me? And recalling God's faithfulness. Now recently, I've had many discussions with parents. Some of you are going to think I'm talking about you. I'm not. I'm talking about you plus like 10, 12. Like this is a conversation that I have been having with parents. So please don't take this personal. I've been having conversations with parents, right? Who are very concerned about what the schools are teaching. Judging by the mm mm-hmm's, you know, right? Not only that, you're very concerned about what Disney is showing, Not only that, you're very concerned about what Target is selling. And I get it. I totally, totally understand. I get it. 
And these questions like, well, what do we do? What do we do? And it's always like, well, let's take them out of, you know, public school, put them into private school. Let's insulate them as much as possible, right? And that's the question. What, what can we do? And so my, my challenge to parents, especially to fathers who are in here today, is this. Do not neglect creating rhythms in the lives of your children where you are answering their questions, telling them the stories of scripture, and recalling God's faithfulness in your life, and reminding them of the lamb. Let me say that again. Do not neglect creating regular rhythms in the lives of your children where you're answering their questions, telling them stories of scripture, recalling God's faithfulness in your life and reminding them of the lamb. And if you feel like your children are old and it's too late, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Mom, dad in the building, if we can put the same energy and effort into teaching our kids the gospel as we do about worrying and boycotting, our kids will become salt and light in this world. Are you with me? Parents, do not let your children, do not let them or do not allow for them to experience church as the only space where they hear about the goodness of God. There's a lot of parents who are very dependent on the church to do that for you. Amen? Disciple your children or the world gladly will. And here's the thing. Some of you might be saying, I don't know how to answer those questions. Well, then I would say this. Let discipleship first start in you. Search, seek, knock, find, open the scriptures. You have a church here. You have an opportunity to take notes on Sundays. You have an opportunity not just to come here. This is like a movie theater sometimes. You just watch a good show and you leave. You have an opportunity to grow. You have an opportunity to take advantage of small groups where you're rehashing the scriptures. You have an opportunity to make phone calls to folks that maybe are are further along in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're just coming to know Christ. There are people who are elderly in the faith. They're able to sit down with you and talk with you. We are the most over-resourced country in the world. There are books that we constantly have out here on the resource center. I just wonder how many times we just walk by it. Are you with me? Like there is, you cannot stand before the Lord and say, I don't know. There's just too many resources and too many things available for you. And some of you are just intimidated to talk to your kids because you are not equipped. And I ask, well, why aren't you? Okay. Happy Father's Day. You guys know how I roll. Just if you, if your first time here, this is just how I roll. Okay. So. I want to move from the new mill or the old mill to the new mill. Going back to the story, all was going as expected 
until Jesus deviated from the script of the Passover. Are you with me? Jesus deviated from the script of the Passover. And he deviates from the script when he gets to the bread and the cup that follows the bread. Are you with me? He deviates from the script. I want you to think about it. Israel had been practicing the Passover for a millennia, over a thousand years. The disciples had been eating this meal right here since they were children. And now in just a few brief statements, Jesus changed it all up. He changed it all up. What do I mean by that? For those of you that have been attending the last nine weeks, we've been taking the Lord's table weekly during this series. But again, I am not sure that we grasp truly and honestly the magnitude of this moment and this meal. You see, on this night at this table, the old meal was replaced with a new meal. What do I mean by that? There are two implications. Number one, on that night, Jesus ended the Passover and he inaugurated the Lord's table. Let me say that again. On that night, Jesus ended a thousand years of liturgy and then inaugurated the Lord's table, the audacity of this man. Who does he think he is? Only God can eliminate what he has created. Who is this man? Jesus ended the Passover and inaugurated the Lord's table. The disciples must have been stunned. It's like somebody changing up Christmas on you. The disciples must have been stunned when Jesus changed the liturgy. When he took the bread, the scripture says. When he gave thanks and, and he broke the bread. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Then he took the cup and everyone might have expected him to, to sing a psalm. And then he said, this is the cup, this cup that is poured out for you. He says, is the new covenant in my blood. I want you to know that when Israel was delivered from Egypt, they went through the Red Sea. God parted the way. And then Pharaoh and his armies tried to chase after them because he changed his mind. And Pharaoh and his army, they got uh, swept into the waters. And then after going through the Red Sea, the, the people of God, Israel, went to Mount Sinai where Moses received the law. And on that day, God made a covenant with his people. He said, you will be my people and I will be your God. And because you are mine and I am yours, this is what my people look like. Are you with me? And so when he said this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, he was saying that that old covenant, Mosaic covenant, is being eliminated for a new covenant. And finally, he told them, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Number two, the first implication, obviously, is that he finished, he completed, he ended the Passover and inaugurated the Lord's Supper. Number two, Jesus put an end to the entire old covenant. 
What do I mean by that? What does that mean? In just a few hours, the shedding of his blood would ratify a new covenant with God and his people, signifying the end of an Old Testament era and the start of a New Testament era. Let me explain. It meant that the entire ceremonial law became obsolete. Right? All the weird laws in Leviticus. It signified that all those old laws were no longer binding. Now listen, though the moral law was untouched because God remains the same. The ceremonial laws, are you with me? Were obsolete. There would be no more dietary restrictions, amen? No, no more Sabbath observances. It, it meant that every ritual, every festival, every ceremony and rite were done away. All the priests and their duties, along with the temple and its practices, were no longer needed. Because Jesus fulfilled them. Jesus did not do away with them, but he was the fulfillment of them. We don't throw the Old Testament away. We thank God for his word that pointed to Christ, who was the, the Old Testament allows us to understand the complexities of salvation in Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Are you with me? And the best part, there would be no more lambs slaughtered. <laughs> Nor sacrifices required because they all would find their ultimate fulfillment in the Lamb of God. I want to read to you Hebrews. Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 4, and then I want to go not the second part of 9 through 10. It reads like this. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, I'm going to start again. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, meaning the law, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year. So the law, through the slaughtering of lambs every year, could never make perfect those who draw near. Notice what he's saying is, th th this lamb didn't really do anything. When they sacrificed lambs, this wasn't, the say, this wasn't saving them. This was pointing them to the one who was coming who would save them. Are you with me? And so the reason why, you could tell this had no power because they had to do it over and over and over and over again. Are y'all with me? Okay. Verse 2. Otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered. Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consequence of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, if we go to verse 9, towards the end, it says this. Jesus does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we will all be sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And here it is, once and for all. So I want to invite the team to come up. Who can come to the table? Who can come to the table? Jesus changed it up. He altered the liturgy and he instituted a new meal that would change everything. And while he was doing this, and while all of redemptive history hinged on this meal, I can't help but notice who was at the table with Jesus. Amen? Who was there with him at the table? We're told that it was Jesus. We're told that it was his disciples. 
And we're told that it was the one who would betray him. And so I want you guys to see this. The reality of this produces a sobering thought that every time the church gathers for the table, that inside of the church, there are not only those coming to this table who love Jesus, but there also are going to be those come to this table who are not what they seem to be. In fact, Jesus will tell us in Matthew that in the church, there's going to be sheep and goat, wheat and tear. And the response is, well, what do we do to kick them out? And Jesus says, don't like, it'll all be separated on the final judgment. Are you with me? Not everyone who comes to the table is sincere. Jesus warns us that to be true. So this morning, as we finish this table series, and we prepare to take the new covenant meal together, I want to warn you, and I want to remind you of what the Hilberg Catechism 81 has to say. And I want you to read as I read. Who should come to the Lord's table? The answer is this. Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and to lead a better life. Hypocrites and those who are unrepentant, however, eat and drink judgment on themselves. I'm going to read that again. Who should come to the Lord's table? The answer is this. Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins. Thank God for that. I am certainly displeased with myself because of my sin. Are you displeased? Like does the reality of your flesh, the inability for you to live a perfect life, does that displease you? That's good news. Who should come to the table? Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins, praise God, are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by what? The suffering and death of Christ. And who also desire more and more. You're growing in your desire. More and more to strengthen their faith and to lead a better life. Hypocrites and those who are unrepentant, however, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can walk out of here free and free indeed. No more chains, no more bondage. We're not chained to the guilt of our past. We're not chained to shame. We are free in Christ Jesus who has covered us with his robes of righteousness. I'm not walking out with dirty clothes, but I'm covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that as we leave this place, that we would not leave your presence. Help us to be aware that you are ever present Monday through Saturday. And bring us back to the house of the Lord next Sunday. We give you all honor and glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in Christ. Happy Father's Day. God bless. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. 
Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspiredchurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.